Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We're in this series, Walking the Light. We've come out of Easter, and we're now talking about as we give our life to Christ, we walk in the light. And if you're with us, we, uh, our key scripture that we're going to read here in a little bit is from 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. But it's important to recognize that whatever we do in life, there's always there's evidence of it. There's evidence of our life. You can see it. I mean, when someone, uh, I, like people knew that I was in love with Stephanie. They could see that I radiated. I was a nicer person than I used to be and all that. That there's a change that when there's something happening in our life, there's evidence of that. And what John is talking about here is saying now that we're filled with the power of God, now that we're, we're walking, we're following Jesus, there needs to be evidence of that. And what he's saying is that those who have received, those who are following Jesus, that as Christ moves in their life, there's, there's this evidence of walking in the light. And we see this in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. Let's follow along together. John writes, he says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is what? Light. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That's that koinonia word. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. We make him a liar receive. So last week, we talked about how the message of Jesus, his light is spreading, and churches are being born, uh, people are having fellowship, but anytime something great happens, there's always persecution, there's always struggle that, that comes in with that, and there was pressure and persecution being placed on these new Christ followers to leave the light of Christ and to choose their own way. And we talked about how one of the key things that John is addressing and one of the big reasons why, why he wrote this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was to combat this false doctrine out there known as Gnosticism. Gnosticism, and I unpacked it more last week, but just by way of quick review, uh, Gnosticism really is just, it's a reorganization of your faith. It's taking the faith and it's reorganizing it. It's starting at the end. What do I really want? And then trying to uh, reverse engineer it. And it really, it's a return to the original sin that Satan tempted Adam and Eve with. Adam and Eve back in the garden, walking in perfection. And then Satan uh, goes to Adam and Eve and he tempts them to, but with, with this, uh, it says in Genesis 3, 5, he says, you can be God. You can be God. And I think that's even the big temptation that we have today. And Gnosticism, it teaches that instead of God being the center of truth, that you're the center of truth, that you have this divine spark in you, um, and that it's, it's, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you think right. As long as you're thinking the right things, then that's good enough. I mean, how many know that's bogus, <laughs> right? Because it's not what you say. It's, about, it's, about, it's, it's, it's in the actions that these are tied together, but it's, it's the great lesson for us today. And even from Jesus, Jesus was very clear that his true disciples, and he said this in John 8 and in many other passages, 
but Jesus said that his true disciples were those who what? They obeyed his teaching and they were faithful to what he commanded. So obedience, it, it runs in line, right? It's like you, you know that someone's on, on, like I played basketball growing up. I know I come from a hockey country, a lot of competition to get on that team. I played basketball growing up, and one of the keys to being on the team and getting on the floor is you knew the plays. It was part of the evidence that if the coach called a play and I was like, what? Dwayne, you're out. Um, it's that obedience, that knowing it, being faithful to the commandments. So as we walk into this today, we're going to keep going. We're in chapter 2. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to follow along. First John chapter 2, you can follow along in your Bible. But also if you have a church center app, there's a little button at the bottom that says Sunday morning. You can press that. It has all the scriptures in there. It has some of my notes in there, some of the questions. You can also follow along there. So chapter 2 of First John. First John writes, he says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you, rather it is an old one you had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living in it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. Verse 9, if anyone claims, I'm living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in the darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. And then jumping down to verse 15, John says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live how long? Forever. Forever. So John's very clear as he, as, as he walks into this. And, and one of the key things that we're going to be leaning in today is this evidence of walking in the light. And one of the key evidences of walking in the light is obedience. And he's restating this, this huge life lesson that we all know, that it's not what you say, it's what you do. See, we're, we're very good with words. I mean, we can, we can give the right answers, right? I mean, we, we've all gone through TSA to get on an airplane. No, I don't have any of that. No, I've emptied my water bottle. We've gone through the things. We know the things to say to get what we want. But we also know that words are cheap. 
That's why Proverbs 10, the book of wisdom, says this. When words are many, sin is not far. Wise is the person who controls their tongue. And even Ralph Waldo Emerson, he famously said, I can't hear you because your actions are so loud. How many of you have come across that before, right? Someone's saying something, their actions are totally different. Do you lean into their words or do you lean into their actions? You lean into their actions. And don't get me wrong, words, words are very important, but words are just the start of things. Words are just the beginning of it. Because, see, we, we walk in obedience by beginning with knowledge. Knowledge is important, and it's important that we have knowledge, and it's important to speak the truth and, the, and, and, and to do that because we can't act on something that we don't know. And that's why John, he's laying out that the truth of God has been revealed to us in so many ways. I mean, we, we feel the truth of God. Every human, and we, we say this many times here, if you want to know what God looks like, look at the person next to you. This is your chance to encourage them today. Because every human being, every nation, every tribe, every color has been made in the image of God. And being made in the image of God, we've been born with this consciousness, right? To where God, he's placed an awareness of himself through everyone's consciousness. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 2. And even though it's been broken through sin, even though it's not perfect, there's a basic sense of of right and wrong. So, So we feel it, but we also see it. You know, Romans 1 talks about how God's truth has been revealed to the point where we we see it around us that we have no excuse for not knowing that God exists. And then we can study it. As we talked about last week, the Bible, one of the greatest gifts to to humanity, the the Bible, it reveals God's truth. Uh, Forty authors written over the course of uh, 1,500 years. Uh, The Bible includes uh, things like moral law, political law, history, poetry, prophecy, letters of instruction. I mean, this is the foundation of society. Societies that flourish are enacting these rules, and these rules are so strong that whether you believe in God or not, you follow the Ten Commandments, you're going to have a good society. That's, that's, that has something to it. And the, the Bible is consistent from beginning to the end, its theme, its purpose, its message, and they, they all reveal to us the love of God and how we can be reconciled back to him. There's really, there's no book like the Bible. Study it. There's so much out there on the accuracy, and the more that we study, the deeper that we dig in archaeology, the more we find the truth and the accuracy of the Bible. Study it. And not only that, we can also experience the truth of God. Jesus came so that we could experience God. And now as followers of Christ, we can be filled with the power of God. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can experience it. And my goal as we come together today is not that I would just inform you today. I mean, Google can inform you about a ton of things. We want to walk in the wisdom. We want to walk in the truth of God. But one of my prayers is that, God, that we we would experience you today, that we would experience the, the goodness of fellowship with one another today. Because, see, when we know all of this, What John is saying, when you really know all of this, this will translate into obedience. When we feel it, when we see it, when we study it, when we experience the knowledge of God, it translates into obedience because because it results in a key, one of the big keys to wisdom. And again, back to the the wisdom book, Proverbs chapter 9, it lays out that the key to knowing is this fear of the Lord. Solomon wrote, the fear of the Lord is the foundation, it's the beginning of all wisdom. And that knowledge of the Holy One 
results in good judgment. Who wants to have good judgment this week? Who wants to have good judgment today? It begins with this fear, not this trembling fear that God's going to bonk you over the head, but that awe, that wonder that when you really stand before something so immense, when you get a glimpse of who God is, everyone who has ever gotten that glimpse of God and they've seen it and they've experienced it, they've been brought to their knees in awe and wonder and holy, holy are you God. See, when I feel God, when I see God, when I study him and I experience him, I'm filled with this awe and this wonder and this, this holy fear. And this is the wisdom that the Bible is talking about. And here John, he's talking about this ancient wisdom that he often refers to where he says, this is the message we've heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And now in chapter two he says, we can be sure that, that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's command, That person is a liar. They're not walking in it because when you know God, when you see him, when you experience him, it impacts your life. I mean, can you, I'm getting more excited just talking about it. And I've been going over and over and over. But the the more I read it, the more I study through, I mean, you have no idea how many times I read it. One of the key things they tell you, when you're preparing to teach the word of the Lord, one of the best things you can do is just read the passage over and over and over again. Because here's what happens. When you look at something that's powerful, when you look at something filled with this much truth, it impacts you. That's why you can spend your whole life just preaching on one chapter, and there will be a deeper revelation every time. The Bible is not boring. The Bible's not boring. I can be boring. <laughs> Thank you, Val. Let's hear it for Val, you know. <laughs> That's why I'm a part of this wonderful group of believers who look beyond my flaws and see my need. It will impact your life. I'm being serious. It is, this is not a manufactured excitement. I'm coming off a hockey loss. I should be just crawling into this place this morning. But when I look at the word of the Lord, in all seriousness, it picks me up. It, it excites me. Because when you know God, you will obey. And when you obey, it impacts your life. Because again, knowing God, it's not just about having information. We're in an information age. Just knowing about God, that's, that's not the impact. People have lots of information. Right? Just like Going to WebMD, does that make you a doctor? No. As a matter of fact, if you went to the doctor and, you, and, and you're like, I'm really concerned about this thing on my arm, and if your doctor said, let me check WebMD for a minute, right? You'd be like, get me out of here. <laughs> I don't want my doctor Googling the rash on my arm. You should, you should. Because just being informed, we know that doesn't impact you. And again, information, it's good. But being informed, this is the entry level. Being informed, this is, this is just the lowest level. Just being informed doesn't make me qualified. And that's why when the Bible talks about knowledge, knowledge in the Bible is equated with intimacy. Did you know that? Knowledge in the Bible is equated with intimacy, that when it talks about knowing, it's moving beyond being informed. It's talking about this intimacy. It's talking about this sense of ownership, this sense of commitment, that, that knowing is it, it's personal, that it's a part of who you are. Because it's meant to guide you. It's meant to own you, in a sense. And that's why the psalmist wrote, when it, when it talks about this word, this knowledge, this, this, this goodness of God that we're singing about, the psalmist in 119 says, your word... 
I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because when we look at what the Bible means by the word sin, sin means to miss the mark. Sin means to get off the path. Sin means we should be going this way, and we're getting off and off and off and off. We're missing the mark. We need, we need to come back on. So the psalmist is writing, your word, I've hidden. I've buried it. It's, it's, it's something that I treasure. You don't just leave your treasure out on the side of the road where somebody can pick it up and confuse it with trash. Something that you treasure, I mean, you protect it. You hide it. You, you, you get it deep inside of you. It's something that cannot be easily taken. It's something that cannot be easily removed. That's why knowing is often used in the context of marriage. Which it's within this covenant, this committed relationship, that knowledge, it takes root, and it has an impact in your life. Because without that, we're just informed. We know a few things about it. And I think, this, I think this is really one of the challenges that we faced as it relates to the church, the body of Christ. Not, I'm talking about the body of Christ everywhere. That as it relates to discipleship, instead of just discipling people, we've stopped at just informing them. See, the discipleship is the call of every Christian. But unfortunately, it's come to mean that we simply inform, that we're simply evangelize. And again, yes, tell the good news. But Jesus said, follow me. He said, deny yourself. He said, take up your cross, surrender everything, and walk in discipleship that requires all of us walking together, encouraging one another. Because information alone doesn't change us. Information does not equal transformation. I mean, could we all agree this morning that drugs destroy lives, right? But if you talk to a drug addict, do you not think they know that? Have you ever done something that you knew better to do, but you you did it anyway? I'm raising my hand. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. The things I know I should do, I don't do. It's like, you know, it's almost like, why? Why? It's that broken nature. Satan is very aware that there's, there's a God. Satan is very aware of the power of God. But yet he doesn't back off in his pursuit of destroying people. I mean, even when you look at the stats, the, the stats of drinking and driving, I think all of us would agree that, that drinking and driving is dangerous. But the stats for, for the dangers of drinking and driving are overwhelming. I mean, one, in a, one person every 45 minutes is killed because of this. And, and over 43% of Americans, they've admitted to driving under the influence of alcohol. And of that group, the highest group, 72% of, of that group that has admitted to it, is one of the most informed generations, Gen Z. We know it's dangerous. But in spite of all this, we do it. Because, see, for knowledge to have an impact on your life, there needs to be a commitment to it. I remember my, um, when, I, when I went to university, um, I was a music major, signed up for band, and I found out later that band begins at 7 a.m. in the morning. Not a big deal today. I'm a morning person today. I was not a morning person back then. Showing up at 7 a.m. was very, it was a hardship in my life. Did my band director have any empathy for it? No, not at all. And here's what he said. He said, Dwayne, you made a decision to be here, not at 7 a.m., you made a decision to be here at 7 p.m. the night before. How committed are you to being here? I said, yes, sir. (laughs) And I very slowly began to make changes. 
See, there needs to be a commitment to it. Because knowing brings a sense of responsibility. I had another professor of mine say one time, you know, the way knowledge without application diminishes in value. When you don't apply something, the knowledge that you thought was so wonderful, when you don't treasure it, we don't hide it, it diminishes in value. That's why John lays out the three signs. And we did these last week, but they're worth repeating, and we're going to be repeating them through the series. But John laid out three very clear signs of, here's what it looks like. When people, when they're walking in the light, first of all, they're going to know the word. Because you walk with Jesus, you're going to know the word. He spoke the word. He proclaimed the word. He lived the word. He was the word. The word became flesh in Jesus. And throughout the Bible, there's an emphasis on studying and evaluating and using your mind. And in fact, when you come here, don't check your brain at the, at the door. Engage your brain. And invite the Holy Spirit to teach you and to fill you and to show you. Examine what you see. Examine what you read. And I've even found this, that the tough scriptures, the more I study, the more I dig in. And some of them, it takes a long time. And it's calling professors and sticking through commentaries. But the more that I trust it and the more that I dig in, I get to the truth and the consistency of God. Because there are things that a child can understand, and then there's this depth of knowledge that comes in. And when you study it, it comes to life. So we need to know the word. Don't turn off your mind. Engage your mind. As a matter of fact, some of the most brilliant uh, teachers that we have seen throughout the course of history are people who believed in God. I mean, Robert Boyle, you know, Antoine Lavoisier, founder of chemistry, Greg, Gregor Mendel, the founder of, of the science of genetics, Isaac Newton was known to spend more time in Bible study than math and physics. Profoundly changing our understanding of, of, of nature with his law of universal gravitation and, and the laws of motion. He invented calcu- calculus. You may not appreciate it, but it's important. Uh, he, he built the first ever reflecting telescope. He showed sunlight is made from the colors of the rainbow. These were people who believed in God. So you follow God. You're walking in the light. You're going to be hungry for the word. You're going to want to know the word. But secondly, John says that you will obey the word we're focusing on today because knowledge translates into obedience. But then John also said that there's a passion, that there's this excitement because when you know God and you're walking in obedience, why wouldn't you be excited? Because you know, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's actually a valley of the shadow of death that was known to be filled with robbers. We know that... We don't need to fear any evil because God is with us. This is the death we're talking about. There's this passion, this excitement that we'll be sharing that we're not going to be worried about people seeing the light, but we're going to be shining a light. You don't have a light. You need, I've got this light. It is powerful and it's amazing. There's this passion that wells up in the middle of you to where I've even had people say it about me and say it about you that they'll see you walking through a hard time and they're like, how are you not destroyed by that right now? How are you not brought to your knees? I'm like, I'm brought to my knees, but I'm praying, and I'm asking God for help. In all of these circumstances, and then as the passion we're pouring out, we go back, we study the word of God. We walk in obedience to God. There's this passion that comes up. We go back, we study the word of God. These are, this, this is a cycle that is ongoing in every season. Because when you're walking in the light, you're going to want to share it. So when we're walking in obedience with God, filled with the power of God, whatever we're filled with is going to flow out. John leans into his law a lot of, through the entire book. It's this idea of that whatever's in, inside of a person, whatever's inside of a man, whatever's inside of a woman, it's going to eventually come out. You can put a cork on it for a while, but that cork's going to blow at some point. And when it does... 
I want my obedience to God to reveal the depth of the love in my life. That when the pressure comes, and it does, there's seasons. If you're in a summer right now, I am celebrating with you. But everyone goes through summer, fall, winter, and spring. Summer, fall, these are cycles that we all go through. And John is very clear that it's our obedience, our level of obedience, walking with God, aligning with him. It reveals in us the depth of our love for God. Look, look at this again, 1 John 2, 5-6. It says, those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. He said, that's how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. See, when you walk with God, this word love is going to keep coming up. And it's not the cheap artificial love. It's not the feed the flesh. It's not the passions of life coming in. It is a deep, sacrificial love. A friend who sticks closer than a brother. Someone who will never leave you, never forsake you in every circumstance. Someone that no matter what you do, if you confess your sin, if you confess my out of alignment, Jesus will forgive you and will pay the way for you. Now that's tough. Because you may think that you're easy to forgive, but maybe you know somebody else who's not easy to forgive. Forgiveness is tough. And this love of God that digs through, that comes through, it keeps coming up because John is very clear. He's saying that when we know this, when we're walking in this, when we've been filled with this, that the test of knowing God is going to be our love for those around us. Being a disciple, it always comes into how we love each other. Because, see, you can say that you love God, and that can be very subjective. How can you analyze that? So Jesus and the disciples, they all said, if I want to know how Dwayne loves God, look at how he treats people around him. Look at how he treats people around him. Right? Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment to you. It's an old one. You've had it from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another, it's the same message. That's why if anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a fellow believer that person is still walking in darkness. It seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? Because you may say, you don't know the person that I'm working with. You don't know what this person did to me. But yet, the test always comes back to, if you want to know how somebody's walking in this, if you want to know what level of obedience they're walking in, it's going to be revealed by how they love those around them. And it can be challenging. That's why all of the writers, and as we walk through, we see this word that, we, again, we talked about and we unpacked a little bit. But one of the key words that comes through is this word fellowship, which is the word koinonia. Remember that word from last week, koinonia? Right? I, I referenced the early 80s jazz Christian band, koinonia. See, John's very clear in calling out, how do you treat fellow believers? How do you treat people around you? that claim to know God and that they're walking in fellowship with you. Because the early church, they weren't just showing up 10.30 on a Sunday morning. They were gathering together every day. They knew each other. They knew what was going on. They were there for the good, the bad, and the ugly. They were there for everything. Because any community that you are a part of for any length of time, and there's this vulnerability, there's this sharing, and there's this openness, you're going to get hurt. Has anyone here ever been hurt by a family member? Has anybody here ever hurt a family member? 
If you raise for one, you've got to raise for the other. <laughs> because again, we're following Jesus, but we're in a broken world. Confession is a regular part of our life. But see, one of the reasons why John and one of the reasons why Jesus and everyone going through that says one of the marks of a follower of walking in, in Christ is that you will be coming together for fellowship regularly. Hebrews says never neglect gathering together. I go to church on vacation because it is a discipline that I've instilled in my life that I have seen fruit over and over and over abundantly because this is where you'll be tested. It's much more difficult to pretend in here. And this is where the rub is going to come in. See, fellowship, it tests you. It challenges you. It reveals in you the things that you need to change. And other people will challenge you. But as a result, do you know where one of the places that I've been hurt the most has been? At church. Does that surprise you? I grew up in church. Okay, I, I grew up sitting under a pew... I didn't even have children's church. I had to go to boring big people church when I was growing up, okay? And my mom would just like, just like, just she was shoving like certs and candies after me just to keep me occupied, you know? And I had coloring sheets and I, I would sing. And then when I got old enough to play an instrument, I played in the band so that it wouldn't be as boring. And I was kind of playing in that. And even there, my dad had me under the chair and he was, I had a lot of certs as a kid. I, I, maybe that points to the level of sin in my life. I don't know. But just walking it out and living it out and going in, it was a part of my life. But as a result, with that level of commitment, the places that I've been hurt the most have been church because that's where I've been challenged. That's when I showed up and I had a teacher pull me aside and said, Dwayne, I want to talk about what you did to Sally earlier. I want to talk about what you did to John earlier. I want to talk about a lot to talk about. But I look back on that. In the time, it was tough. But I look back and I say, thank God. And even as a leader going forward, and any leader who's gone through COVID in any industry or whatever, you know that the pain level got cranked up during COVID, didn't it? Any leaders testify to that? If you let anybody, your pain level got cranked up. And it's like, what do we do with this pain? What's happening here? And I think one of the, one of the, the, the gifts that was given to me is I had one of my leaders recommend this book by Sam Chan that I've that I've said many, many times before. And in that book, he has a line in that, in that book where he says, you will only grow to the level of your pain. So in other words, how much do you want to grow? How much pain do you want to endure? Because it's part of it. If you only want a piano teacher that tells you, good job, Dwayne, good job, Dwayne. Are you going to grow in that? No. Lesson one at Evangel University with my professor she said, bring in all the classical music you've ever played. I mean, I, I, I played piano a lot as a kid, went through and I had lessons, all that kind of stuff. She said, bring in everything that you've played. And it was a little stack, and I was proud of that little stack. She said, now play something from memory. I said, I've never memorized a classical piece before. And then she brought me through scales and arpeggios and everything. Her words to me were not, hey, you're, you're a good piano player, Dwayne. Her words to me was, do you really want to do this? If you do we got a lot of work to do. you got a long way to go. I will work you. I will push you. I mean, it was, it was, like, it was like that. And know what I say? Thank God. I grew, as, I grew as a pianist. I eventually went on and got a scholarship. 
I wasn't the best piano player at Evangel University, but boy, my growth trajectory, same thing happened in my spiritual life. Walking in accountability with somebody. People who I knew loved me were wanting to say the difficult things to me. I grew a lot. Because here's the thing. Some of the most painful places in my life, when it's been filled with the love of God and I've stayed in it, have become some of the greatest places of healing. I've been involved with this church now in three seasons as a pastor. Back with Pastor Kevin, with Pastor Bob, and now with myself. And in all of those seasons, different leaders, different people, some of the people have been the same, some of the people are different. I've grown a lot here. Because I've got this 15 to 20 year trajectory here that I've stayed in. In the community, some things have changed, some things are different. But when I've stayed in it, in the middle of it, there are people that have no problem walking up to me and saying, can I take you for coffee? I got got something to talk to you about. But I'll tell you, some of those same people come up and say, you know what, I want to encourage you. What you did there, what happened here, this was a good thing. It requires that level of of growing up and maturity. And when we pull back from it, you will never mature. When you pull back from it, you will never grow. That's why John, that's why we see through Scripture, that when people say, and I've heard this and I understand it, that, you know, I love Jesus, but I hate the church, John's very clear, and Jesus is very clear. Impossible. Because Jesus died for the church. That's like someone saying, Pastor Duane, I love you, but I hate your wife. First of all, I'm saying, who do you think I'm married to? <laughs> Or I love you, but I hate your kids. It's a pretty immature statement, right? Why? Because we embrace, we love, we grow, we encourage each other, we coach each other. But in all these areas, and John is mining into this, if we're not willing to endure that level of pain, we're not going to grow. Jesus For the joy set before him, endure the cross, and he laid down his life, and he was innocent. If I'm going to grow as a dad, if I'm going to grow as a pastor, I need to be able to embrace this. Healing requires pain. First thing the doctor does, right? I cut my knees open a lot as a kid. And the first thing the doctor would do would would just scrub it out. Thought he was hurting me, and he was. But thank God he did. And John in all this, he's saying, how do you endure this level of pain? How do you endure all of this? He's very clear. It's love. It's the love of God. For the joy set before us. For the love of God in us. That when I'm looking at somebody, and if someone's saying something very hurtful, and when their motives are not good, because sometimes people, they're trying to coach you, and sometimes people are just mean. And we've all been mean. But when I can look at somebody with the love of God and say, you know what? That's a child that's not reconciled yet. That's someone that hasn't experienced the love of God. God, can I look at them the way that you looked at me? That when Dwayne experiences the love of God, when they experience the love of God, it is going to be a fire that's going to set the world on fire for Jesus. And it all comes down to obedience. I mean, look at all the, all the one-on-one conversations that Jesus had. Jesus, he, he talked to the thousands. He, he talked to the masses, and that's great, and that's important. But the people that he talked to that changed the world were these one-on-one conversations, the discipleship. He called Nicodemus. He talked to the woman at the well. He went and pulled Peter out. He did 
all of these massive things one-on-one. Do you know what makes your one-on-one conversations powerful? Your obedience, walking in the light. Because here's the thing, when I'm talking to somebody and I've been walking, now, I'm not saying perfection. We all have challenges. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and we have programs and ministries for that. But when, our, when my life is walking, God, you know, I've, I've been in your word. All those things of obedience, because so many of the areas of obedience that are in my life, none of you see. You're not with me early in the morning when I'm reading the Bible. You're not with me early in the morning when I'm praying. You're not with me early in the morning when I'm on my face crying. You're not with me in all the areas of obedience, the things that I do behind the scenes. But what John is saying is that when you're walking in obedience, all of that, it bursts forth into that love, that sustaining love, that no matter what, I'm not leaving. I'm not going. I am here. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to love my church. I'm going to love this community. And I'm going to serve. And even when it hurts, God, fill me with the love of God in this. This is why you can't love the Lord and not be walking in obedience. Do we struggle? Yes. We can. But again, the measure of maturity is what? The distance between sin that we all do and confession. So instead of waiting and justifying it and eventually coming back. Instead of walking the life like this, it comes in, it comes in, and it's just bit by bit that any time I get off, the Holy Spirit reminds me, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me, strengthen me. Sorry, Lord, forgive me, strengthen me. That's the walk of a mature believer that takes time. When I was eight years old, I mean, it was, it was like I was conducting an orchestra. But you walk in obedience to the Lord, filled with his power, filled with this life. To obey is better than sacrifice. Amen. Let's all stand together today. Father, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts now. And that as we hear you, as we respond, as we open our hearts to you, that we, our response will be one of obedience to you, I pray. So before we leave this place, here's an opportunity to walk in the light. And this is a question that I, I, I think is a daily thing. Ask yourself, where am I struggling in obeying God? Where am I struggling in obeying God? And then digging deeper on that, why am I struggling? Why is it a struggle? And then the call of every believer, every disciple is, what needs to change what next step is God asking me to take in order to walk with him? You know, one of the things that I put down that's, that's not in, in any of the notes, a good place of identifying this is going, where am I identifying pain right now? Because pain is where it rubs, right? You know you're sick because you're experiencing pain. Pain is a gift because it shows you where there's a rub. And what is God asking you to do? And let me encourage you. God is gracious. All the world holds dear, I count it all as loss. Let me encourage you. There's going to be some pain that it can just be handled with an Advil. It's very quick. It's very easy. And it's just, it's like washing your hands. I've washed it, and now it's doing that. There's some, it's going to be long. And there's some because it involves other people. 
Are there any things that you feel like you've done everything you can do, but it's still not resolved? You feel like you've obeyed the Lord and you've listened. I think we all have something like that. Walk in it. Give it to the Lord. No matter how long it takes, I'm telling you, I, I promise you, when you walk in the light, when you trust the Lord, there is a healing that takes place, but it's long. And there's things that the, things that, that, that the Lord will teach you. Keeping your hands clean before the Lord. Walking righteously, hungering and thirsting for the Lord. There's a healing that takes place. Trust the Lord in this. Trust the Lord in community. Be committed to community. If there's something that happens, deal with it. Because John's very clear, it's only as we walk in this way that the world will know there's a God who loves them. Right? As we walk in this, as we live this out, the world will know. The world will know there's a, there's a world that loves them. So, amen. Thank you. Thank you for embracing this. Thank you for walking with the Lord. Thank you for pulling this in. Let me encourage you to continue to pray with this and to share your story. If God's doing something in your life, find someone you trust to share it with, to walk with. This is our benediction. Let's say this as we walk in the light of Christ today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go live for Jesus as you walk in the light. Love you all. God bless.